Oh no, <laughs> I lost my co-host. Okay, hi everybody. <laughs> oh my god, um, we lost Tommy D. I'm sure he'll be back momentarily. But in the meantime, we're stuck with me. Um, so this is Pals. Welcome to the Professional and Animal Lovers Show. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Valerie Heffron. Tommy Demisa is our other host. We are joined today by a very special guest who is a professional as well as an animal advocate, Leslie Tain, and we will be introducing her momentarily. Welcome back, Tommy D. You're killing me. Oh, hey, Val. How you doing? <laughs> so listen, so there's this button that like uh, says we're about to be streaming. Click got it. And if you don't click got it, but you click the little X, it knocks you out of the room. Oh, that's good to so, know. Well, ladies and gentlemen, public service announcement. If you are live on Zoom and it asks you to say got it, just always say got it and then you don't get kicked out of the room. I was I was looking I feel for, like I just gave those instructions out before the show to our guests. So I don't, what happened? Well, I apparently wasn't listening. And I was looking at a spreadsheet to 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 announce that this is the fifty-eighth episode of a program right. that started wow. in the mind of one animal advocate. Uh, look, you know, I'm glad. I, I don't know what you said. Did you tell them the name of the show yet? I did. I didn't get to our mission statement, though. <laughs> All right, I'll read it then. So we're, we're amplifying. It says we want to amplify, but we are already, we're in amplification mode. We're amplifying the message that we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets. And I used to say pets and their owners, and I think that's what we say on the commercial here, but I think it mirrors that bond between pets and their pet parents. And I will say something to you today, Val. Um, I was on a phone call and I was meeting with a new networking friend and she has this little toy poodle and the little toy poodle has, I know that like has an, its own Instagram page and um, it's kind of funny and we can talk about adopt, don't shop and all these different things and whatnot. But um, this poodle's hair is like this incredible hair, but I just, you know, I tell you that because I looked down and that's what was on my, my notes to bring up for the show, but it's this situation and the scenario that I find myself in that I'm more aware of things and conversations I'm having that are things that I would have never been aware of in the past. And it's just some of the stuff I said, and we'll kind of leave that out there. We can address some of that stuff later on, but we're building this network. It's, it's happening. It's this community of people where professional people who our animal advocates, you know, we're all not defined by just what we do as a job or a career. We're defined as human beings and we have a lot of different interests. And 58 episodes into a thing that was an idea in Valerie's mind that is now out here, we've built this network. We're continuing to build this network so that everyone wins. Especially the animals. And by the way, yes, one of the things that we talk about too is how each week we are learning we're educating and we are advocating and the amount of people that have expressed an interest, like my heart warms up because I'm seeing people reach out to me saying, I'm really interested in getting more involved. I want to become more active in the world of animal advocacy. Like, what should I do? Where do I start? And that is tremendous because really most of us walk around every day and we're doing our thing and we've got, you know, work life, family life, pet life, whatever. And the day goes by. But when you start to get a taste of this, and we saw it the other night at the Compassion Awards, you know, you, you, your eyes will become open and you'll see opportunities to help the animals legislatively, 
going to a protest or a demonstration, getting to know your elected representatives so that you can advocate for positive change. That's what this is also very much about. And we will get to our guests momentarily. Sorry, Leslie. I promised myself because I just got an urgent plea and message from one of our- You need something like a siren when you have an urgent message, like- Yeah, yeah. We got an urgent plea and message from one of our honorees, John DiLonardo of Long Island Humane. Um, And this is a situation that he has been diligently working on. He's done several demonstrations already regarding um, the Sloth Encounters, which is a location in uh, Islip that has been exploiting animals, sloths specifically. Um, And I just wanna read the details because for those of you out there, especially in Long Island, New York, if you want to get involved and you wanna make a difference, please go tomorrow um, at noon from, from 12 to 1 p.m. at the Beth Page Equestrian Center. You can bring your own signs. John's really great at having a lot of uh, signage available to anyone who shows up. But we really, this is an urgent plea because we're at the, like the final straw um, in terms of being able to successfully shut down this place, which is exploiting and abusing animals. Why don't you, can you give a little more color to that? Because, you know, this is not like a one-time offender situation. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Sorry. I had the wrong glasses on. That's why I did that in a broad stroke. But hold on, please. Okay. This Thursday, October 20th, is International Sloth Day. And as expected, Sloth Encounters and notorious exhibitor Larry Wallach plans to exploit, exploit them as props. Please join Humane Long Island outside the Beth Page Equestrian Center to urge the public not to exploit sloths and to urge Wallach to send these babies to sanctuary. Um, Despite the Suffolk County Supreme Court granting town of Islip a temporary restraining order against this illegal business, Wallach is now hauling the sensitive baby sloths to busy parties and public events, and we need your help to get them to shut him down and get these sloths to sanctuary. Larry Wallach is on video, electroshocking a juvenile tiger named Chiba and threatening his own dog with an electric prod. He's also racked up 50 citations from federal authorities, countless local citations, and even received a six month suspension of his USDA license in 2013. So this goes on and on. You can find this on Long Island Island Humane, Um, again, John DiLonardo is is a very well-known and revered animal advocate. He has managed to get laws passed. He's managed to shut down, uh, you know, circuses. We can always count on John for support when it comes to the animals. He saves tons. I can't even count how many animals he saved. And, you know, he's asking us to show up for him. Uh, I can't be there tomorrow, but I, I will do everything in my power to round up more people for him. So, yeah, so I, I just shared... Uh... Humane Long Island's website to this feed on Facebook, but they have a Facebook page too. He's very active on Facebook, right? Absolutely. So look up Absolutely. Humane Long Island, John D. Leonardo. And and again, I just want to say something because if, if you're new to this information and you're new to what we're talking about here, and I certainly was new to this, you know, uh think of it in terms of John's not a killjoy. John is not trying to put away the circus or put away sloth encounters because you know, he's not a fun loving guy. In fact, he's got a great personality. I like John a lot. Uh, he's doing this to protect those who can't 
protect themselves. He's doing this to protect the animals who cannot protect themselves from people who are exploiting the animals. So if you don't know about circuses, we can do that under the other show. I'm sure John will come back and tell us about that. But there's plenty of really cool circuses out there that don't have animals and animals that are forced to do tricks and, and silly nonsense. So, all right, Val, anything else you want to say about tomorrow? Um, no, I just really hope that people do get more involved. And if you can't be there, like I can't be there, please just spread the message and encourage others. Um, because that is unfortunately what it takes. Most change does not happen overnight, especially when it comes to shutting down a, a, a business that's exploiting animals and or changing legislation or introducing new legislation it doesn't happen quickly. So we need all hands on deck. Thank you, Valerie, for this public service announcement. Learn, <laughs> educate, advocate. Learn, educate, advocate. That should be like our little thing, mantra. Award-winning financial attorney Leslie H. Tane is the founder and managing director of the Tane Law Firm PC based in New York. Her extensive expertise in debt solution and personal finance is regularly sought by top media sources. And I was just saying to Leslie when we were in our virtual green room, I'm like, I don't know if we've met each other right here on the island, on Long Island, or if I've just seen you on News 12 a lot. And she said, it's probably that she's been featured on News 12, Fox News, WABC Radio, CNBC, CBS News, Newsday, Consumer Reports. The list just goes on and on and on. And we're going to run out of show if I keep, about we'll be at a break before I before I finish announcing all the things that that Leslie's been on. Leslie, also on the animal advocacy side, uh, Vet Dogs and uh, Guide Dogs of America, or Vet Dogs of America and the Guide Dog Foundation. Leslie, welcome to Pals. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon. How are you? Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. You know, look, you know, like I said up front, you know, we're multifaceted as human beings. We're not just what we do professionally. We're what we do philanthropically. Huh? That's a big word for you, Tommy D. What we do philanthropically, what we do volunteering. So tell us a bit about your story. Do you want to take us through the, the animal work you're doing or your professional life, wherever you want to start? We can um, either one. We can start on both. They're both extensive. So um, I'll start out as my profession. I'm an attorney. Uh, I've been in practicing almost 25 years in the area of consumer and business debt resolution and alternatives to bankruptcy. So I started my practice um, over 20 years ago now, um, really focusing in on consumer-based debt, credit cards, student loans. Um, and over the last um, X amount, a number of years at this point, we really focus a lot on business-related debt, merchant cash advances, oh, modification, yeah. negotiation, litigation of those type of debts. A lot still do a fair amount of credit cards and and student loans uh, as well. I'm considered an expert in credit and debt, and I'm am regularly featured on a number of um, uh, television programs across the United States at this point. And I've written a book also called Life and Debt. It's a best-selling book, uh, a fresh approach to financial wellness. Um, it's a great book. It can be gotten on Amazon or otherwise. But um, just talking about how debt is part of life. And um, the sooner we embrace it and make it work for us, uh, the more uh, comfortable we'll be with the financial ramifications of, of debt, which is, again, uh, mostly part of our lives. So yeah. with that, in my practice, um, we just backing up to, to present day, we do bring a lot of dogs to the office. I've been involved with the Guide Dog Foundation out in Smithtown and America's Vet Dogs um, for a number of years now. 
I started that um, looking for a project for my daughter, uh, my daughter's bat mitzvah, and we started volunteering now well over 10 years. And at this point, I probably raised a good 100 dogs. And um, so I get stopped a lot about training. People always want to ask me if I'm a dog trainer. Um, And um, I just explain this is my volunteer work. And um, many times I'm also known as the, 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 you know, like the puppy, the puppy nurse, because I always have so many puppies all the time. Um, And I've, that's my sweet spot. I really love the puppies from these organizations. But as I noticed what these organizations do, they're, they're fabulous organizations. I'm super passionate about their missions and the guide dog foundation for the blind is for uh, those who are visually disabled um, can apply the, the dogs that we breed in house um, are given to those who are eligible uh, for free. There's no charge. And America's vet dogs is for those who've been honorably discharged in the line of duty of uh, service members um, and frontline workers for um, the military who, uh, again, have been uh, injured in the line of duty. And and also these dogs just completely change people's lives. So I'm really passionate and I'm really excited to be here to talk about it. Yeah, no, I'm so excited. So really quick before, we, I know we have to go to break, but we had a dog at the Compassion Awards the other night that's being trained. Uh, so there's a mortgage company, one of the mortgage companies that sponsored our event, Contour Mortgage, they are um, two things. They're paying for um, adoption fees for people who like if they're closing a loan or closing on a house or whatever, and they want to adopt a dog or a cat or a rabbit, they'll pay for the fee. But they're also now training a dog and want to become a therapy animal. And once he be he's ready, um, Champ is going to go to a veteran who would like a therapy animal. Awesome. Right. And, and in contrast to what we do with that, so we don't take in any outside dogs. The organizations breed their own. And then, um, um, so a lot of people do ask me that question. It's a good question. How can I get my dog involved in those organizations? And um, these two organizations don't take in the outside dogs. They breed their own. And um, therefore, we uh, train them from very early on. And then they're matched with um, somebody with a specific disability and the dog's skill set in order to make that um, happen. Mm-hmm. So as Valerie mentioned, we do have to take a quick break, but I just want to give a quick shout out because you're quite a celebrity on the TV, but, you know, the CEO, John Miller of those organizations who I know here on Long Island is uh, John's all over the place, right? Leslie, have you, you know, you must work closely with John. He's such a, he's such a powerhouse nationally, probably internationally, but I know for sure nationally he's all over the place, right? He is. He's great. And um, he's done such great work for the organizations and I'm a board member for both. So I do work closely with John and uh, he's terrific and I can't say enough good things and his leadership and um, has really um, helped to grow the organization and expand our reach across the country. So um, we're really proud to have John as our leader. Yeah, for sure. It's funny. I I will go to break in a second, but I'll tell you the fact that your daughter uh, did some of this work for her bat mitzvah, I think is so special. My 11 year old son, is all about the dogs. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm always, not that it's difficult to find great organizations that are working in the animal space because there's many, but I think this is the one uh, that, that he should get involved with. So we'll have to talk about that. I just turned off all my other friends who run dog, <laughs> animal no, related no, organizations. No, no. No, we'll, right? we'll come back. We'll come back to all this. Leslie, we'll pick up the conversation where, where we were going and really kind of dive into some of the, the work that you're doing, both professionally and obviously 
uh, as a board member and, and volunteer for these organizations. Be right back, pals. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. back the show is called professionals and animal lovers show or pals for short i'm called tommy d for similar reasons it's just better than saying my whole name valerie's here the visionary behind this whole project we're on leslie tane is here listen to this member of the board of directors for america's vet dogs member of board of directors for the guide dog foundation for the blind uh nsls law services and civil legal services law services is that what yes. that is? Yeah, I was going to ask you that. My mother used to work there. She was a social worker there for like Small world. Hang on tight, Val. We got, I just want to read the rest of this and we'll go into that. Diversity <laughs> Committee Task Force for both of the organizations we just mentioned. This is an organization very close to my heart. In fact, I'm going to be meeting, uh, I'm going to see them on Sunday, uh, Long Island Against Domestic Violence. They have their um, pet fashion show, uh, which was a uh, puppy fashion show, which was postponed because of weather. And obviously, she told us during the first segment, she's a puppy raiser for um, future service dogs. Leslie, we're jazzed to have you on the show. Val, your mom used to work at uh, uh, Nassau Suffolk Law Services, right? You were going to say. Yeah, the, the location in Hempstead um, okay. for, for decades. But, you know, I also want to mention that um, my husband, uh, this is before we met, but he was trying to train a, a dog. Um for he was part of the lions club and i are they associated with the guide dog foundation i think they do a lot of uh, um um fundraisers for both organizations extensively many many of the lions clubs 
Yeah. Okay. So there, there was an affiliation with that. He, he ended up trying to do what you do, I guess, all the time. <laughs> and he took home a puppy and, you know, was training it. Um, but unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, that particular dog, Dottie, um, did not, I guess, like pass the test or whatever, but um, she we was called release. What's that? We call it release. They get, many of them do get released for a lot of different reasons. Remember, you know, when you're giving a yeah. dog to somebody who's disabled, you want to make sure that the dog can perform. So our standards are super high when it yeah. comes to making sure that the recipient gets the best possible service animal. That's so awesome. basically, although she didn't, you know, pass the muster or whatever, whatever <laughs> on that, uh, you know, to become the actual therapy animal for the guide dog foundation, um, she was such a great dog and get this this is in the old days when people used to get newsday delivered right i think some people still do like maybe 10 but she would every day go out and fetch the paper and bring it back rain snow everything so like no one had to go out to get the paper i was like oh that's awesome <laughs> very smart dogs you can teach them to do a lot <laughs> yeah yeah so what are the other types of things that they do um for those for the recipients of these dogs, what what do they do? Turn on lights, or what what are they doing? Oh, so depending oh, yeah. on the uh, on the individual's needs, yeah, um, you know they can um, uh, they can pick pick things up, open doors, they can do alerts, uh, medical alerts. They could um, uh, again, it really is very specific to the individual's disabilities, and uh, that's screened again very carefully uh, in the matching process with the dogs, so that. Uh, the dog is trained really well. So the training process, as you started to speak about, um, is extensive. We start yeah. the training from about four to six weeks old, where they start to become socialized. And that's the first step. And very often, those are puppies that I take out of the nursery after they're born and weaned from their mom. Um, they go into a home like mine, where we start to socialize them and get them familiar with a home environment and start to train them from um, you know, making on command, which we can, I can do in one to two days, believe it or not, with a four or five wow. week old puppy, six week old puppy and uh, get them to sleep through the night, comfortable in their crates, eating, you know, their, their crate train. And, um, they, uh, that's the beginning of the process of really just being comfortable with being touched and, and held and, um, and out for the first time in the world and seeing, things like an airplane for the first time or a bird for the first time and just teaching them to be really comfortable with their environment. And then the next um, level training goes to a puppy raiser who keeps the dog um, anywhere up to about a year and a half um, when the dog gets recalled for formal training. And then the dog would get recalled for formal training with our trainers um, at the Smithtown location. And there that dog would be assessed at that point again to determine you know, where that dog is gonna be headed to a type of service. Many uh -huh. times, um, actually, uh, we have a we have a relationship with the federal government. And my uh, first dog actually went into uh, was taken by the ATF and went out to Arizona and became an accelerant sniffer for the ATF. And uh -huh. she um, it was well decorated out there. Um, and I have a great relationship with the handler. Uh, and they're actually on their second dog from the Guide Dog Foundation that the ATF picked up. Um, so some of our dogs do end up in federal service um, as well for, um, like I said, in this case, it was accelerant sniffing, but there are other um, types of services that the dogs could go do. But um, so the training and the um, determination, it's a very expensive process. It's between, uh, you know, 50 and $80,000 to train one of these dogs over the course of its lifetime. 
You know, we wow. depend solely on volunteers and donations um, mm -hmm. for uh, for that. And we've been around a really long time now and um, have a very successful track record and we continue to grow. And it's just such a fabulous organization. Everybody's so dedicated and devoted uh, not only to our recipients, but of course, uh, the dogs and their care as well. I mean, I, I just completely love what I'm hearing. And I, of course, have so many questions. First of all, um, like, do you have your own personal pets or? I have a lot of dogs. So yeah. <laughs> I have had up to 17 dogs in my own home. And I know that sounds crazy, um, but I had a breeder. So again, some of the dogs will go on what's called the breeder hold where we're identifying certain dogs with that we want to breed in the foundation. So those dogs go on breeder hold. And I have had two breeders and my first breeder had puppies and she had nine puppies in her litter and after she delivered those puppies, they came home and stayed with me along with a few other dogs. So I have had many, many dogs in my home. And as you talked about with the dogs that get released, um, I once that breeder retired, I, I have kept that breeder. Um, I have a second breeder who's going to have puppies this week. Um, she's in uh, the foundation waiting to deliver those puppies any day now. Um, and then she'll come home and, and I'll have a couple of puppies at home. And then I have some that have also been released from the program that went through training. And for one reason or another, one had elbow dysplasia. Um, one wow. had, um, yeah. So sometimes, you know, it happens and it happens even in the best of the breeding process that sometimes yeah. things happen um, where there's an allergy or there's a fear on the part of the dog or there's um, some sort of a, some sort of physical ailment, like um, my one dog Norton that has uh, elbow dysplasia and he had surgery for that. So um, because so I end up keeping them. As I raise them, I end up keeping them. And that's how I ended up with five dogs. Oh, my um, goodness. So it's, it's but a so lot. The reason I was asking that, by the way, it doesn't sound crazy to me. It sounds like heaven. <laughs> but anyway. Like, Animal oh. lovers and anybody from the foundation, it's not, that's nothing compared to what yeah, right? um, the foundation has. But the reason I was asking, I guess, is because I was curious about, like, do you feel that that is um, helpful to the training, I'd imagine socialization-wise, that's probably a good thing to have other animals in the home. Um, or do you feel, uh, does that affect, does that impact their training in any way? Or? So the young puppies, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to answer your question on a different level. So yes, my young puppies, when I get a six-week-old puppy that's come right out of the nursery, that's never been outside and has only been with its litter, you know, it's really comforting for that puppy that I have other older dogs. And those older dogs actually teach the puppy how to walk on a leash because sometimes you'll put a leash on a six week old puppy and that puppy knows, doesn't know what to do. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. when I put a leash on a puppy and then I'd write, so when I put a leash on a puppy and a leash on an older dog, all of a sudden the puppy is following the older dog. So very often, yes, I do find it very helpful when I'm training the younger dogs. But now that I have a number of older dogs, it's really a little bit of pack mentality. So taking in another older dog could complicate things a little bit because there is a, you know, a little bit of pack mentality, but, um, so I don't always, I don't take in for volunteer purposes, any of the older dogs now, just, um, mm -hmm. just the younger dogs. So I do find it helpful. Uh, yeah. again, you have to be equipped. If you're going to have, these are fabulous dogs. They're really well-trained and people come to my house and they're like, wow, the dogs are so well-behaved. They don't, they don't bark. They don't jump on people. They, they know how to behave. Um, and so with that, um, you know, these are very well-trained and well-behaved dogs. And that 
does help the process when you have multiple dogs in one household. Yeah, I'd imagine so. I thought that like my dog Jovi was at our event last week and I felt like he was not only really well behaved, but I started getting all these pictures from people that were sending me from, you know, from their cell phones, whatever. And apparently all these people were posing with my dog. Yeah. <laughs> I was completely unaware. I used Poor to call Mary. the puppies like a chick magnet. Every time I had puppies and oh, yeah. one was out or something, I'd be like, don't, or my daughters. And they, they would take these, all these Instagram pictures with the puppies. I'm like, yeah, they're like, they constantly love the puppy. They're total, like total people magnets. And, you know, with yeah. that said, you talk about socialization. So our socialization is very um, um, structured, I'm going to say, because they're in training. So if they're wearing jackets, um, if you've ever seen a dog with a jacket or a coat on that's a service animal, those are animals that we ask the general public not to touch. So right. um, I'm very appreciative when people ask me, is it okay yeah. to touch your dog or pet your dog? And it's really a public service announcement that yeah. one should never let their children or otherwise pet any dog without asking the owner if it's okay, because you don't know the temperament of the dog. And certainly a, a dog that is um, being used for someone with a disability should never be interfered with ever. Yeah. Those are working dogs. So we do try to educate the public a lot on, yeah. on the etiquette with, with that. So in terms of socialization, if the dog doesn't have the jacket on, then the dog is, is socializing. But we're also very careful about greeting and socializing on leash um, You know, with our dogs. Remember that these dogs are supposed to ignore distractions. So they're being trained to ignore humans and other animals. So yeah. um, we do take them into public spaces so that they'll learn to not be distracted. Um, and, but when I have a dog out in public, I, I still, um, no matter what, do not allow anybody to um, a pet or, um, in, you know, if they have a dog and they have a dog on a leash and they say, can my dog greet your dog? You know, my I I generally say no to that uh, because it's I great don't that know they ask. It's great that I'm they so ask. I'm so thrilled that, that they ask. Yeah, because I remember re not too long ago there was some kind of a little farmers market thing going on, and I I saw a dog. I have to say hi to everyone with dogs, right? But um, I asked the, the couple was sitting down. The dog was on leash, and I said, um, "Oh, what a beautiful dog!" I said, "Is it okay if I if I pet her?" And they were blown away that I asked and they were so thankful. And they actually said, you know what, in a crowded area, she's gets very skittish and she's, she's kind of iffy. And I was like, no problem. You know what I mean? Like, but you I did the I, right I, thing. And, and, and yeah. as a dog owner and in part of the foundation, I'm so appreciative that people ask, is it okay? And you're right. When a dog is out socializing like that, if that dog's not used to being out, it could be stress and yeah. a stress animal can can act in a way that it doesn't normally behave. So right. it is important to understand. And as a dog owner, if you're taking your dog out into unfamiliar areas, the dog could be stressed. And you may not even realize it, that something could set them off that doesn't normally set them off. So with that said, you know, my general position with dogs, even in my neighborhood, is that I don't allow my dogs to greet other dogs on leash. And... Um, you know, I want them to behave in a particular way. So, you know, I continue the training um, as they've had since they were puppies. And uh, that is, has bred me very well-behaved dogs. And so, so you've heard it here, because I know we have to take a break, but just remember people, ask if it's okay. Ask permission. You wouldn't go up to someone's baby stroller and just start picking up someone's kid, right? Some people would. But that's a problem. That's <laughs> that a problem. problem. That's a problem with human beings. Human. 
we've learned on this show before humans are really the problem most of the time all right we do have to go to break before we go to break i shared the guide dog uh foundation website i shared american vet dogs um america's vet dogs just now i'm going to share the website while uh, on facebook while we go to break because there's an event coming up uh leslie tomorrow i believe for um dogs on the catwalk maybe we could talk about that when we come back and then i have some questions about debt and about being a puppy raiser um we'll be right back this is pals are you passionate about the conversation around racism Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Can. I was going to sing a song, but go ahead. <laughs> even even better. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I'm kidding you. All right. Yeah. I just before I forget, I want to ask where is the location of that event? It almost looks like a farm. Which event? The, the event? Guide Dog Foundation event, the one for tomorrow night. Yeah. Where is that? Oh, that's in. Um, uh, no, that's at the um, in Beth Page Heritage Club. No, about yeah. there's a second. What there's was I second, looking at? It's a scrolling on the website it keeps so i'll share it's i don't know what this farm is leslie um there's a yeah where's that can you see our screen leslie oh that's oh that's just a picture of a um of uh one of our dogs in uh training that Uh, is uh was at visiting a farm but that that's not that farm is not related to the event oh, and, um, oh, oh. we don't like, i will find out does about, not have a farm that i'm aware okay, of. okay. <laughs> i'll find out about where that farm is and when you're back on long island we'll go to the farm and at the very least since i'm a board member of horseability uh we certainly can go out to horseability to the farm yeah, but i will tell you since you're bringing up farms our friend um eileen shanahan texted me earlier today and 
uh, she had mentioned that she's one of the honorees at Canine Companions event, which is uh, they're honoring Eileen from Warrior Ranch Foundation and three veterans at the the inn in New Hyde Park on November 9th. So we're gonna, woohoo, get the pom poms out. We're going to promote that, and if we can get, um, perhaps we can get Dawn Alvarado from the Canine Companions, who Eileen is telling me is the contact we should speak to. Maybe we can get Dawn to come on the show and talk about that before the ninth. And if we don't, we'll have her come on the show and talk about what happened at the event. So either way, we'll make it happen. I got a question about debt. So, you know, I, I listened to a lot of people. Um, you know, Robert Kiyosaki talks about rich debt, poor debt, talks about good debt versus bad debt. So, you know, if you want to talk to us about good debt versus bad debt, but there's something I want to tell you too, Leslie. Last night I was at the New York City Imagine Awards. And one of the winners at the Imagine Awards is a nonprofit called RIP Medical Debt. And there's such a tragic situation. So many people are really in a bad spot from uh, from medical debt. And look, I'm in the employee benefits business. That's not what we're going to discuss now. But the way healthcare is managed in this country is certainly a challenge. And people end up really jammed up. Um, this particular organization goes out and buys that debt for pennies on the dollar and then settles that debt for these uh for these individual people so i thought maybe you could just weigh in on and i I'd say i say all that because i'd like to connect you with that organization at some point but i'd like to kind of hear if you want to play around about good debt versus bad debt and then also um uh, the merchant cash advances that you mentioned because i always feel that those are really a bad situation for a lot of business owners can you speak to that Sure. So the good debt versus bad debt, there's a lot of it. I wrote a lot about it in my book, Life and Debt. Um, but there is good debt and there is bad debt. Good debt can become bad debt. And what ends up happening is if you can't pay it, let's talk about student loans, for example. So you set out to take student loans. It's technically good debt because it's getting you, there's a benefit to it. Uh, it has a low interest rate. It has deferment and other options for uh, repayment. But eventually at some point, you go to pay it, you start paying, you have some financial challenges and you can't pay it or you stop paying it. And then all of a sudden it goes into collection. You could be sued. You can have your wages garnished. That good debt became bad debt. And that's the same with a lot of different financial products that are considered debt. Uh, a house can become bad debt if you no longer can afford it or you bought you bought it and the expenses exceed your ability to pay for it. Cars that you that also you set out to pay um, on time and then all of a sudden you had some challenges in camp. So um, the definition of good debt versus bad debt really comes down to your um, ability to manage the debt, pay the debt and effectively um, continue with the obligations that you have to pay that debt. Mm -hmm. um, and, with, and that causes a lot of problems because the line does change even though some debts are considered fixed expenses like a car or a house, they're really not fixed expenses because as time goes on, they expenses change, gas changes, insurance changes, upkeep on homes change. And that has to be taken into consideration when taking on debt. Yeah. yeah. Can I just ask you a quick question about, so at what point in time should someone, let's say, reach out to someone such as you or you, <laughs> for uh -huh. someone who does what you do? And because I'm thinking, I, I can't help this. It's just how my mind works. I think of specific people who I know. And, you know, of course, hindsight being 2020, uh, they should have probably reached out for help sooner. But like, for example, um, a couple who has a home uh, and a couple of kids, and then let's say the husband was the breadwinner, loses his high income earning job. 
Uh, and then there's like, you know, okay, well, we have X amount of dollars in savings that will get us through to here, assuming I can replace that income. You know what I mean? Like, I think people try to figure out their own solutions. Like, is well, that the time? Point. Yeah. So is that the time to reach out to someone like you or, or like how much, how much time should you get? Like, if I can survive for six months, um, you know, do I try to do that or do I call someone like you right away? So most people say to me, I wish I went to you nine months ago. That's so okay. yeah. that's generally what happens when people come to me. So they look at me later as a last resort. The initial knee jerk reaction is how long can, like you said, how long can we make it on savings? How long can we go on credit? Should we sell things? Um, should we, you know, there's a lot of knee jerk reactions to, to, um, to debt and to the limitation of, of funds and money. And it I doesn't have to just be denial. Sorry, I, I think there's also like denial and also like depression or, or something like that. So there's definitely some, there's definitely an emotional impact to what happens in, um, in the loss of income or limitation of income. And there's a lot of trauma and with trauma comes sometimes the inability to act. So there's a lot of psychological aspects of it. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm a licensed attorney, but very often I've been known as a debt therapist because there is a lot of, a lot of pieces to the puzzle emotionally that go along with it and making the decisions financially, which should be made more of a business decision often get made emotionally. And that's where the mistakes are made here. I am a, um, I come in at a lot of different phases ideally I want to be on the phase of, uh-oh, I think we might, we are going, I can foresee a problem. Um, hopefully things will change, but I will, I, at that point, that's when I want someone to consider me. That is not realistic. That just, that's just not how human nature is. And in 25 years of doing this, that's not what I see. What mm -hmm. I end up seeing is a snowball of a, um, of a tried all different options and then they run out of money. So one of my goals is to help preserve the, the savings and work through some of the financial issues and the debt issues in order to preserve the savings and assets as long as possible. Very often people will liquidate all their assets from savings, retirement accounts, and they'll come to me when they're just about out of money and say, now what do I do? And if I could rewind the tape, I would give advice and say, really come to me before you take that money from the house before you take the retirement money before you go through your savings that's the time to come see me even if you're not hiring me for long-term debt resolution you can come to me as a consult in some cases it's free in some cases if it's extensive there's a, a fee for it but with that said to do so really could make or break some of your some of the decisions that a, that an individual or a family or business owner has mm -hmm. um, and i can end up saving uh, I can save a business. I can keep people above water. I can, there's a lot of, a lot of things that I can offer in terms of solutions and strategies to manage money and the limitation of money to avoid what will come from not being able to pay the bills, which is litigation, uh, lawsuits, garnishment of wages, frozen bank accounts, loss of property, yeah, loss of, loss of income. I mean, to deplete your savings now or your retirement savings now is generally not advisable because most investments are down. It's not really the time to take out money or refinance your house, a jumbo loan. I just was talking to somebody last night at an event and they were telling me it's at 6%. I mean, that's just crazy. Just a, two years ago, we were at 2%.
So it's not the time to refinance and pull money out. It's the time to put money into savings and to look at different ways to be creative. And sometimes it takes somebody like me just to open your eyes to what could be and what the results could be by, by making different decisions. That's great stuff. Yeah, we, this is uh we are going to go to break in a second, but I would just like to put something out there because, um, you know, I, I graduated high school in 1996 and I went to Nassau college for a couple of years and then kept my college career going after that. But, um, you know, it was funny back in the day that credit card applications were all over campus. They were up on bulletin boards. You folks might not know what a bulletin board is. That was like a big piece of cork with like push pins in there where they would put like business cards. And, but, you know, they really pulled us in. The, the credit card companies really pull us in as young people and you end up going, oh, it's all right. It's a $500 credit line and I'll pay it off. And then it's a $2,000 line and you've maxed out the card when, you know, as you start to grow with these things. And, you know, uh, you know, certain we, members we of my did, family. But you can't, they can't do it anymore. They changed the law on that. Yeah. So they can't uh, market to students Right. Um, but they, yeah, this, you know, we're maybe we're peers, you know, you and I, I mean, you remember these times or you heard of, you know, I got a bottle of soda for a credit card when I was in college. I was thrilled about that. That's the, yeah. it's all t-shirts. Oh, and college. I'd say here's the thing that I, I just think if, if, if you're a consumer, which we all are, because in this capitalist society, that's how it works. Uh, Make a consideration. Pause before you buy that thing. Those sneakers, those jeans. I all my capitalist friends are going to come after me for this one, but I think they just don't realize like the the, the ad agencies and the marketing companies are setting us up to buy more and more stuff. And so I'm going to say to that, it really comes down to you control over yourselves and your own boundaries. And there's a lot of marketing to people these days, especially through social media. The key to knowing what you can buy is really through budgeting. And even though, you know, even though it's a dirty word and a lot of people don't know how to do it and understandable that they don't know how to do it. Again, in my book, Life and Debt, it talks about budgeting 101. Really, you can go old school and just write it down on a piece of paper. But knowing what comes in and what you have available to spend money on will allow you to be a more educated consumer and limit your exposure to potential debt. 100%. That's great stuff. Yeah. And and look, maybe you don't need that thing. Why don't you give it a day or two to figure out if you need the thing? That's what I'm going to put on that. Because I'm with you on the budgeting, Leslie, but when we got credit cards in our pockets sometimes that we have all this extend, outstanding opportunity to, to spend money, it gets... When you see the shiny new thing, sometimes people still want it. And I don't think our kids, you know, know that enough, you know, and our, you know what, strike that. I know plenty of adults that don't get that. <laughs> so. I'm so not compulsive and I'm, I'm so, I'm very strange. I'm so not a shopper, but I will say that um, I think budgeting in general. And one of the things I did love, whether you like him or hate him, but um, when I was in Florida, I noticed that governor DeSantis signed a bill into law requiring students in high school to take it and pass a financial literacy course. Yeah, and I awesome. think that is spectacular. And I really forget who did it. or so, As long as the financial literacy course is, um, you know, actually teaching them. When I was in high school, they, I did have a financial literacy course that uh, where we had a checkbook and we had uh, money that we had to spend. And um, it was a, it was a, a good course. Um, I can't say that it necessarily prepared me for the future because it was a one and done really 
honestly, it has to start in the home. It has mm. to start when the kids are very young and you take them to a store and you start explaining to them what money is and how to buy things and what it means to use a credit card. You, you have to start educating your own children, family, and otherwise, because that's where the habits come from. And that's where those habits get passed down. If you don't talk about money, like many generations that preceded ours didn't talk about it or teach it, then it's going to be something that becomes difficult. If your household is struggling and you involve young children in financial decision-making, that will, that will cause them to have some anxiety about money. So again, there's lots of ways to teach children and teach family members and even teach yourself how to appropriately budget, learn to manage money. And I encourage you, if you're in a situation where you are not in charge of the money in your household, that you learn about that. Life happens and you can find yourself in a position where you now have to manage the money for whatever reason, know how to balance a checkbook, how to write a check, how to open an account, how to pay bills, which bills do you pay? I can't stress this enough that yeah, yeah. one of the ways that you can, you can help yourself is by educating yourself on these things and doing it on a regular basis um, is, is the way to learn it and to manage it. And I know we have to go to break, but I just... No, we don't. We, we, we missed the break seven minutes ago because with three of them... What I want to say is that we really want people to apply these um, strategies and by all means, please get her book if you don't know how to budget because we want all animal lovers to be financially successful so that they can donate and... Yeah. and well, you and bring up a very good point. Money about animals in debt so let's talk if you don't mind well, talking about Leslie, that a bit. Leslie, we're going to talk about as soon as we come back we're only going to play one commercial we'll be right back i promise dylan, take Sorry. us to a break hurry back dylan bring us back fast hey everybody it's tommy d the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic each week here on talkradio.nyc i host a program philanthropy and focus Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. All right, 
picture this sicily 1932 no forget that that's sophia from golden girls picture this you get yourself jammed up you get yourself in some debt you're an animal lover and you go who can i use what's the right resource who's that attorney that can help me with this and it's all about the animals well the answer is leslie kane author of life and debt i just showed it on amazon not that we're big supporters of amazon but how do you get away from them right so that's you can get the book on amazon leslie go right back where we were please continue we were talking about um, debt and and animals and uh, and pet as for pet owners, um, you could easily fall into um, a cycle of financial challenges from the needs of your pet. And um, while I stress very strongly that if you're having financial struggles, that you try to negotiate with the vet, um, you know, to pay some of the bills. Um, you know, being a pet owner is something to consider when you have some when you're having financial challenges, and that. If your pet needs um, specific veterinary care, it can be very, very expensive. Um, and it's yeah. unfortunate um, that that's the case. Um, I, I always say that I, I wish I could be like the guy out in Colorado where I was a vet and I could just open up and have a sliding scale and whatever you could pay, you could pay um, yeah. to bring your pets in so that they can get the care that they need. But uh, with that said, you know, where we live on Long Island, it's a very expensive area and uh, veterinary care is very expensive, but the needs of the animals are really important. So um, there are some not-for-profits and, um, and opportunities to get your pets help. Um, and be aware that if you're struggling financially, it's probably not the time to take on a pet, even a free pet, um, because at some point in time, they could need veterinary care um, and that could be very expensive. So just be prepared for something like that. And I do see sometimes clients that come to me with tremendous credit card debt from having to have paid for veterinary care. And unfortunately, listen, I understand the needs of the animals is really important. And and as pet owners, we'll go to any degree to make sure the animals are well cared for. Uh, But be aware that it's not something to take on additional responsibility if you're having some challenges to begin with. It's also just that I noticed in general, right? Um, animal lovers and especially people who are involved in um, fostering and, you know, rescuing. And there's a lot of smaller rescues that are not really well funded, but the people with the biggest hearts oftentimes will get themselves into some financial distress because they're spending all this animal uh, money on the animals. And not only that, not only their own, then they're sending donations to all these fundraisers all over the place. And it's hard. It's impossible. I mean, like, of course, you want to donate to every cause. How do you say no to an animal that needs surgery, to an animal who, you know, got hit by a car, who, or to a woman who pulled in 20 cats from a, a, a colony that, you know, need to be, have shelter or whatever? It's very difficult. But that's back to the budgeting. Yeah, that's where yeah, that yeah. comes in. Budgeting and emergency funds and putting away or a pet fund, you can call it any fund you want, but being able to put money away um, in a savings account in case your pet has specific needs is really important. Remember that if you can't afford a pet looking to volunteer like at the Guide Dog Foundation or America's Vet Dogs and puppy raising, our, our animals are all, all the vet care for our animals is paid for by the foundation. So if you raise a puppy for for our organization, all of the vet care is is paid for. So you can have, and if you need boarding, if you're traveling, you need boarding. Um, you know, we take we take the animal, we take the dog back, um, and can place it in another volunteer's home. You could be a temp also if you want to have a pet. You don't have the budget. You can temp dogs where we you go and take a dog for two weeks that needs a temp home. 
So you could get the benefit of having uh, an animal in your home to love and care for and, and be there with, but without the financial responsibility. So there are volunteer opportunities. New York Bully Crew also on the is always looking for dog walkers. Um, yeah. I love that organization too. There's lots of organizations that look for um, people who can come in and socialize with the animals. So you can get the best of both worlds, even if you yeah. can't afford to bring in an animal in your own home. And you're doing something great for someone else down the road who's going to need the services that those animals will provide. And you bring that's I love that because people ask me all the time, how do you give up the dogs? How do you give the puppies back? So I look at it. First of all, they're not my dogs. So uh, I look at it. I don't look at it the same way anymore. And I do have a high volume and access to the, the dogs. But with that said, I do get attached to them and I yeah, love yeah. them so much. But and I kiss them and hug them and hold them and play with them. And in the hopes that when they eventually get to the person that they're going to be taking care of, that they're going to give that back to the person that, that, that the foundation I gave them will be the basis of the future that they give to the recipient of the dog. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing process. Yeah, um, yeah. So you could be part of that. I mean, it, you know, we're always looking for volunteers. So Are you uh, lots of organizations. that foundation nationwide? We are um, really mostly, we have clients that come in all, from all over the country, um, but our uh, physical location at this time is on Long Island. So, um, you know, we right. can raise a dog in different areas. So even if you don't live on Long Island, there are opportunities to puppy raise in, in other areas. Um, but depending on where you live, I would recommend reaching out to the organizations and apply right online as a volunteer. And um, they'll, yeah, they'll screen you. But again, but if so, when we tie it back into financially, there's no financial obligation as a volunteer. All it is is your time. And um, time is so, there's no way to put value on the time that you donate to any organization that could use your services. And if you can't afford to donate, that's understandable. But your time is so valuable in any of these organizations, even especially the ones that are not as well funded. Like you said, the local shelters and the local places need, need help too. Leslie, I can't thank you enough. It's such great information on, on both sides of the subject matter that we discussed. And I'll, all I can say is, you know, you're a pro. Um, and, but for anyone out there who is listening or watching and they want to get more involved, I mean, this is such a great way to do it. And speaking of money really quick, I just want to do a quick shout out to Barry's sister who lives in Santa Fe and who decided to donate a couple of tickets to our event because of her generosity. I was able to get people there who really wanted to be there, but just couldn't really afford it right now. So thank you everyone for your generosity and your compassion and your love for the animals. Yay! Right, a couple of things. Uh, John DeLeonardo just texted me while I was pulling up our final quote. So it's kind of ironic. He's the winner of our Gandhi Award this year, and he was texting me uh, about tomorrow's event. So shout out to John. Shout out to uh, everybody that was at the awards. And then also, about real quick, plug tomorrow, Beth Page Equestrian, 12 noon here in Long Island. Yes. yes and Beth for more information, you can go to the, their Facebook group page, Long Island humane i think it's the other way humane long island oh i'm yeah. so sorry i did that um, or or send us an email at jovi at pal-show.com we'll get you all sorted out okay, uh, so <laughs> in his total commitment to nonviolence, gandhi always included the animals by stating the greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by the way its animals are treated make it a great day thanks lesson yeah. thanks pal yeah,
Thank you. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. On edge. Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 